Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Gift of Hope, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva, on December 2nd, 2018. Well, this, this, um, today we're going to celebrate Advent. This is the first Sunday. Um, in the first Sunday of Advent, the first purple candle is lit. This candle is typically called prophecy candle in remembrance of the prophets, primarily Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. In Isaiah 7:14, it says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The first candle represents hope or expectation in anticipation of the coming Messiah. At this point, I'm supposed to light the candle, but I don't have nothing to light it with. <laughs> Let's give God a hand for Mark and Tani. Sorry about that. That's, that's what makes us so unique here at Sol Rio. We're a family, and so we don't, we don't care when these little things go wrong, right? It's all about Jesus and the faith, hope, and love that he offers us each and every day. And we're so grateful. All right, Mark. <laughs> Technical difficulties. <laughs> hey, we got it. Amen. Hey. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Most of you know I'm Pastor Floyd. I'm excited to be here this morning. I tell you what, I got up really early this morning and uh, I looked outside. I opened kind of the windows to my backyard and I tell you what, I was in awe of the beauty. Isn't, isn't it glorious when we get a snow? But on the flip side of that, I was so thankful when I looked in the front yard and the roads were clear. <laughs> so we, we have so much to be grateful for this morning. I'm excited. We're going to start a new series this morning. So if you would grab your Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Philippians. It's towards the back. And uh, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 this morning. And we're going to talk about the cost of hope. What I hold here in my hands, and many of you tried to steal this from me this morning, but I didn't let you to. Uh, this is just a simple gift. Um, it's kind of pretty, right? My wife wrapped it really nice. Um, I can't wrap this well. Uh, but what I want you to do is kind of think about this gift. In this gift, there are some items that cost. There's some items that were purchased. And, and I want you to know this morning that, that this gift is going to be given. And it's going to be given freely. Uh, one of you in this church will probably get this gift uh, by the end of this month. Um, but I also want you to understand something. And I don't mean this in an arrogant way. But I do want you to understand that there was a cost to this. So there's some items in this gift that, that cost some money. I, I had to buy them at a store. I had to purchase them with some money. The box that, that they're in, I had to, had to purchase the box and, and buy the wrapping paper and all the pretty stuff, all that. The only thing I got free out of all of this was the labor. But that's going to cost me later, all right? <laughs> so she's going to make me buy her lunch for that. But the reason why I show you this box, and I want it to be a visual for us, is, is that there is a cost to everything, isn't there? Yeah. 
You know, this last week, I, I kind of spent asking uh, some strangers and some people that I know uh, a very simple question, and it was just simply this. Um, what, what does it cost you to have salvation? What did it cost you to have salvation? I want you to kind of think about what's the cost. Because I, I got to imagine in your mind, you're wondering, oh, I wonder what's in this gift. What, I wonder what's behind this box and this wrapping paper. And what did it really cost for? Did he really pay for it? Did he really pay a price for it? So I just want you to think about that this morning. And we're going to go on a journey together. We're going to kind of do a, an Advent series. And the title of the series is The Cost of the Gift. Every year we celebrate at this time of year uh, the gift that was given through Jesus Christ, right? Amen, we celebrate that. Jesus is the reason for the season. We, we say Merry Christmas because we're merry about what, what has happened for us, how the birth of the Savior, the Messiah has come. Uh, the word Advent in itself just means coming. Uh, we know that Jesus has come and he will come again. And so we, we celebrate this time of year and we buy gifts for one another. We light candles. Uh, we have parties. We do all kinds of things that turns our focus and turns our attention on the Messiah, Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that what it should be? Is that what it is? Do you see that in the world around us? No. See, that, that's the variable, I think, that happens even in our humanity, even as Christians. Uh, sometimes we lose sight of the gift. Sometimes we lose sight of the variable of that, that Jesus came. And he came with a reason and he came with a purpose. And he came to offer us this free gift. It's ours for the taking. Each and every person that walks this earth has an opportunity to receive this gift if they would only choose if they would only take the step towards Jesus Christ. See, in this time of year, I know there's a lot of political correctness, a lot of things that, that go on in our world that even for us as Christians kind of give us hesitation in regards to, to expressing the excitement of the coming Savior, to express the excitement of the season and the reason why we celebrate this holiday that we call Christmas. I want to encourage you this morning, as we go on this journey, what, what I like to call a journey, over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to think about the cost. Think about what it cost Jesus. Think about what it cost you to walk in faith, to live this life that God has called you to. And let's go on this journey seeking to better understand what Christ has for us and what this season is really about as we take a step each week towards better understanding the cost of the gift. Because there was a cost for it, wasn't there? Jesus paid a price for you and I. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you this morning for your love, for your grace. We thank you for this season that we're in, the beautiful snow that you've given us today, uh, just the wonderful life that, that we get to live, Father. Lord, I know that, that uh, many of us walk in this door and, and uh, we may not feel the hope. We may not feel or want to just celebrate just what's going on in the world around us because it's, it's a hard world and it's a hurting world, Lord. And many of us are hurting. Many of us have uh, memories and things of this time of year that bring hurt and pain and, and remind us of things that uh, just weren't so great. But Father, this morning as we gather together, we gather in Jesus' name and we gather to celebrate the gift, the gift that was given, your Son, 
So I pray that, that you would just, just clear our minds, Father, and open our hearts. Help us to, to see clearly this morning the things that you have for us. Father, that we might make known Jesus and we might know Jesus that much more this morning. And that, that hope, that love would just, just fill us this morning, Father. Lord, I thank you for just all that you do for us and all that you've given. And I pray that you'd bless these moments for us in Jesus' name, amen. Well, what I like to do is to look at Philippians chapter three, and I'm gonna kind of start in the middle. The, the whole chapter in itself is Paul talking to the church and reminding them how important it is that we know Jesus. It's all about knowing Jesus. And this is in a point where the church is kind of struggling with some things. There's kind of some tough moments going on around them, which is pretty typical in the Bible, isn't it? When you read the different gospels, the, the different books of the Bible, you see this, this tension and this struggle and moments for, for the church, for the believers. And I think it's no different than it is today. We all, we all face tough moments. We all face struggles. We all face trials. And they may be different for one another, but the commonality is that, is that we're human and we struggle. We wrestle through things. There's moments when we get distracted. There's moments when we move towards other things that we really should move towards and we kind of lose sight of things. Well, Paul is encouraging the church this morning. He's encouraging you and I to know Jesus, to make him known. So I want to start in verse 12 and we'll kind of walk through these passages together and read through 21. Paul says, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3, He says, not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Intimidating me, excuse me. That was a Floydian slip, excuse me. Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindsets on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. See, hope, hope is a word that we use once in a while. And while sometimes we forget that there is a cost associated to it. See, for us to have hope, there's a price that, that has to be paid. There's a price that has been paid for you and I to have hope. And the first thing we see here, Paul telling us, is that, that hope requires life change. See, when I asked you the, the question earlier of what did it cost you for your salvation, what did it cost you to, to, to walk with Jesus, there's an aspect that you may not even realize that, that for you to give your life to Jesus Christ, life change had to happen. 
I think about my wife, and many of you heard her story in a small portion, but one of the things that, 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 that her salvation cost her or was, would have potentially cost her was her relationship with her mom. See, if she was to, to give her life to Christ, if she was to take this free gift of salvation, she knew and she understood that it may cost her a relationship, a relationship that meant everything to her, a relationship that, that, that she knew all of her life that just had such great value. And so there was a hesitance there because hope requires life change. Listen to what he says in verses 12 and 13. He says, not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind the old life and straining forward to, lie, to what lies ahead, the hope of a future the hope to be prospered, the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. See, hope requires life change. And I want you to listen to Paul's mindset here in this. See, in this chapter, he is preaching to us, to the church, about the knowledge of Christ and how it affects our life, how it changes our life. If you talk to a believer, someone that, that has walked with Jesus all of their lives, they'll tell you that, that Jesus has changed their lives. That from the very beginning, their life was, was very simple, very, very human, very worldly. But as they got to know Jesus, as the intimacy grew, their life was changed. See, hope requires changed lives. See, hope does just that. It changes our lives. See, it changes our mindset. It changes who we become. It moves us to become someone different. When we have hope, we live our lives differently. And because of the hope, we live our lives for Jesus. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. When I think about my own relationship, my own life with God, when I was younger, I, I really wasn't afraid of death. You know, and, and that sounds kind of funny. You younger people might, might relate to this because you really don't think about death unless someone dies close to you. And even then, you really don't comprehend it or really kind of wrap yourself around it. But I remember as a young man that, that I was fearless. And the reason why I was fearless as I look back and I think about my life as a young man is because I had no hope. I had no hope at all. See, today was today and I was going to live for today. Tomorrow didn't matter because I didn't care about tomorrow. See, my world was, was falling apart. I had things that I dealt with at home as a teenager, as a, a young man that, that I just didn't want to deal with. I had no hope. But as, as I gave my life to Christ, as I moved towards this free gift, all of a sudden, something changed in me. All of a sudden, something moved me. And that something was this gift of salvation. That something was Jesus Christ. It's him alone that I found my hope. And now I, I do. I, I think about death. 
but I don't think about it only for myself. I think about it for those around me also. And I think this is what Paul is reminding the church. He's reminding us today that God wants to change your life. He wants to give you hope. He's offering you and I hope for each and every day. I love what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right, reading this one out of the NIV, just because it, he just expands on it a little bit more than the ESV does. In verses 17 and 18 in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, he says, For our light and momentary troubles are, ach- are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that a beautiful passage right there? Though we go through these moments of toughness, of hard moments, there's an eternal glory that God is using and preparing for us. See, we place our hope in Jesus Christ. Even though we haven't seen him, even though we haven't actually touched him, we put our hope in Jesus Christ. He is the giver of hope. See, I want to challenge you this morning because there's a choice that each and every one of us faces as we struggle through life, as we do life. Whether life is good or life is bad, we have a choice to put our hope in Jesus Christ or we have a choice to put our hope in the world. And I'll tell you, each day it's a struggle. I don't know about for you guys, but for me, each day is a struggle because I wake up in the morning and I'm excited about life and I praise God for the morning and I say, thank you, Jesus, for a new day and then I get into life and I start living and doing my thing and I find myself sometimes falling short, not being perfect, not doing everything that I probably should do and then all of a sudden the devil pulls my eyes away from Jesus and I start focusing on the world. See, but we have to remember that these troubles that we face, they're only temporary and they'll eventually pass. And we have a choice to make each and every single day. Do we put our eyes on Jesus or do we put our eyes on the world? And I want to encourage you this morning, put your eyes on Jesus and know that you won't be perfect. But just remember that your, your hope, it lies in Christ alone. And in those moments when you fall short, don't look at his failure Just look at it as Jesus picking you up and holding you because he is your hope. See, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you'll discover that your mindset will change. The things of this world will not be the things that you desire. The hope you place in Christ will change you. And as Christ changes you, you'll come to realize that there really is a cost to walking with Jesus. There really is a cost because hope requires action. In verses 14 through 17 in our passage, listen to what Paul says. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's action. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. I want to ask you this morning, 
Maybe it's an unfamiliar statement to you. Maybe it's a familiar statement to you. But I want to ask you this morning, do you claim the hope of Jesus Christ for your life? And I'm not just saying, you know, yeah, brother, I claim it in Jesus' name. Not, not like that. Do you, do you take action? Do you, do you claim, do you take hold of the hope that Jesus has given us? Do you, do you let it resonate in your soul? Do you, do you remind yourself daily of this hope? Do you claim it? You know, it's, it's kind of a silly analogy, but I, I just kind of think of it this way. You've been given a, a little claim ticket, and, and, and you know that this claim ticket holds the key to everything in life, and life eternal. And you're holding on to this ticket, and you know that you have it, but yet you never turn it in. You never claim the prize. You never claim the gift that's yours. How many of us has taken that ticket and just put it in our pocket? And yeah, we confess and we say, yeah, I, I claim the hope of Jesus Christ, but really you've never laid claim to the hope of Jesus Christ. And sadly enough, that happens more often than we think. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes we are responsible for doing that because we don't take hold of, we don't claim, we don't press on towards the gold, we don't hold true to what we have attained, what we have been given in Jesus' name through this precious gift that we celebrate once a year. Now here's what I kind of mean in all that. I just want to ask you do, you, do you wake up daily and fix your eyes on the perfecter of our faith? Do you take steps towards growing in your faith? What, how are you pressing on towards the goal of the upward call? What does that look like in your life? Do you preach the gospel to yourselves daily? I know that's kind of a weird statement to many because in your mind you're thinking about preaching the gospel to someone, sharing salvation with someone and you think to yourself, well, I already have salvation. And you're right. If you've, if you've taken this free gift, you do have salvation. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to remind yourself of the grace that's been given through salvation. And that's the gospel message, right? It's not by works, but by faith that we've been given this. See, because each and every day we wake up and sometimes when, like I said earlier, we fall short in moments. We say things that we don't mean to say some bad words slip and we go oopsie or we fall short in some way or, or another and those are the moments when I say preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of what Jesus Christ did for you. The gift that was given on Christmas day and the death and the burial and resurrection of a savior who loved you so much that he was willing to give everything for each and every one of us, for you, for you. See, those are the moments when we lose sight of this gift of hope is, is when we think that we're just not good enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, or we haven't done well enough. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. And then this, and I think this is an area that sometimes as Christians we forget, surround yourself with other believers. 
In doing so, you'll have hope. You'll see the change that God will make in your life. You'll experience the hope that Jesus offers. And then just ask yourself, what do I need to do? What steps do I need to take personally to grow deeper in love with Jesus? You know, simply as opening up God's word. My, I'm not saying this to brag on my wife. She'd probably yell at me. She's in the back, so I'm gonna pick on her all morning long, just so you know. So every morning my wife wakes up and she has her routine, but it's a very, very heartfelt routine of what she wants to accomplish in the morning. And one of her priorities is just a simple book called Jesus Calling. Many of you I know read it because I've shared it with a few people and they've said, oh, I read that same one today, this morning too. Beautiful book. Maybe, maybe that's where you start. Just find a devotional that'll help you fix your eyes upon Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it's just opening up God's word and just reading it. Just saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through the gospels over the next month or two or, or through the year. Finding a reading plan. Here at the first year, we, we pass out every year reading plans where you can read through the Bible each and every year. Takes you through the Old Testament, New Testament, mix it up. It's a great reading plan. Maybe that's your next step. Whatever it is, take that step. You know, but don't forget an important part of it. And I think we do this a lot in today's time. Don't forget to surround yourself with other believers. See, God never intended you to do this life alone. See, part of your action that's required of you is to gather together as the church with other believers. You know, I didn't write this in my notes, but this morning we had a conversation as a worship team and it was cool to see the dialogue that was shared and the stories that were shared about what God's doing in their lives and how God has worked in their lives, the things that they had to give up for the gift of salvation. And then through it all, you just hear the pieces of what they're sharing. But as I was thinking about and hearing these stories, the greatest thing that was God just put on my heart and reminded me of is the simple fact is that we have each other to talk about these things, to encourage one another, to stir each other up, to remind each other of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But yet we walk away from that, yet we forget about that. See, in this passage, this is everything that Paul is encouraging us to do. See, he's reminding us that God has offered us a gift. And part of this gift is the understanding that we do have hope. This gift, this hope, it comes with a cost. See, we must press on towards the upward call of our God and our Savior. I love what it says in Hebrews. Really, it gives us a picture of what it will cost you when you give your life to Jesus. He says it in a very simple way. In Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the return of Christ drawing near. See, there's a few things that he's saying here. He's saying that we have to stir each other up to love and good works. He's saying, don't forget to gather together as the church, meet daily from house to house and weekly in the temple. And do it even more as you see all the signs in this world, all the prophecies that we've given you being fulfilled as the day of the Lord is coming soon. 
She says, that's a cost. That's going to cost you. Because you, do you hear that? Stir each other in love. That means if you're going to help someone else to love, it means it's going to cost you some love. You're going to have to love. See, if you're going to take time to, to meet together, that means you've got to put some other things off to the side to, to meet together and hang out. If you're going to encourage someone, you've got to encourage them from a heart that's already overflowing from a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we can point people to a lot of things, but the heart of this is that we point each other to Jesus, that we point each other to the cross to remind each other the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's sad to see that in our culture today that we're choosing not to come to church anymore. It's sad to see how, how, how more and more today church people, Christians are, are neglecting to gather together, to stir each other up. There's a statistic out there, and it's just a statistic. It says that, that about, on average, every, every uh, current churchgoer uh, goes to church about 1.2 times a week. I don't get that point two times. Maybe they come up for 10 minutes and then they bail. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Interesting statistic, though. And these are Bible-believing, faithful Christian people. But yet we gather together once a week. If you take a picture of small groups and meeting through from house to house and gathering together throughout the week, you see a decline in that also. You know, and some say, well, it's a move towards back towards, you know, Sunday school. But okay, if that's the case, why isn't our Sunday school exploding? Because you see a decline in that also. It's interesting to see what the world does around us and yet the church falls into the world and we kind of point our eyes and we look to the things of this world and we intertwine what the Bible tells us and what the world tells us and we try to find our little happy spot which usually doesn't produce any hope and then we forget that we can claim the hope because we hold on to this ticket and we never turn it in. We never collect what has been given us. We've never received what God has given us. I want you to listen to how he describes those that have lost sight of the hope of Christ. It's interesting that he throws this in here. I think it's a good reminder for us. Verses 18 and 19 of our passage in Philippians here. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. So he's saying this with a broken heart so we can make a lot of assumptions. But one of the assumptions that I'm going to make is that he's talking about believers or people that had professed a faith and now maybe aren't walking that faith. He says, now I tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And then verse 19, listen to this. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Does that sound familiar? You know, it's interesting how many of us celebrate Christmas, but yet we won't say Merry Christmas. We're willing to take advantage of the, the benefits of the season, the, the rewards of the gifts and the giving and the receiving and the selling and the promoting, but yet we'll stay away from the true reason and the true meaning. And I think that's what Paul is getting at right here. He's saying these people have lost their hope. They've given their hope over for a world of hope, 
for an earthly thing. And they, he says, their God is their belly. They're only in it to satisfy themselves. And their glory is their shame. And it's because their minds are set on the things of this world. See, really, this should bring a tear to all of our eyes. It should break all of our hearts. But I don't say that to, to cause you to lose hope. I say that to tell you that there is hope. There is hope. Because you and I know better. You and I know different. And that's what Paul is saying here. The knowledge of Christ is what brings us and gives us this hope. Setting your mind on the things above is what will change your life. And this hope requires action. It requires you to take steps towards Jesus Christ. This hope, it requires you to receive salvation. Listen to what he says in verse 21, and we're going to end it with this. In verse 20 and 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I want you to listen to what Paul is speaking of here. See, he speaks of citizenship in heaven but many don't know the way. See, the world tells them, make your own way. God loves you and he'll just, he'll let you in. But Paul says something very specific here. He's speaking of the pathway to citizenship. He speaks of transformation, new bodies, and a gift that is greater than life itself. He is saying hope is here, hope has come, and hope will come again. And Jesus himself says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. See, there is a path to citizenship. Hope requires salvation. And I want to tell you this morning, that salvation, it's a free gift. And Jesus offers it to every single one of us. He offers it to all of the world. The only question this morning is will you accept that free gift? Will you receive it? Will you take it as yours? I want to close with one last passage. And I want to encourage you that whether you've received this gift or you have not received this gift, I want to encourage you with this. Wherever you are on this journey, whatever step that you need to take to move towards this hope, as we go on this journey and we look at this season and the reason and the cost of this gift that has been given, the gift that we celebrate every single year, I want you to think about this. Are you willing to know Jesus? Whether, whether you've taken this gift or you haven't, the key thing here. And what Jesus offers you and I is a personal relationship with him. And it's no different than if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I want to be your friend. I, I want to get to know you. I, I want to hang out with you. I want to do life with you. You have a choice. You have a decision to make. You can say, Floyd, you know what? I really don't want to do this. I don't want to hang out with you. See, because Jesus came the coming Savior, the Messiah, 
He came to be your friend. He came to build a relationship with you. He came to get to know you and you to get to know him. And so I want you to make a choice this morning. I want you to make a decision. Will I take the steps to know this Jesus, to truly understand who he is and what he means in my own life? Whether you receive this gift or not, taking those steps. I want to close with this last passage, this last verse in our chapter, Philippians 3, verse 8. Paul says this, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order I may gain Christ. In order that I might gain Christ, that I might know Christ. Whatever it takes, follow hope, receive hope, know Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for your love and the hope that you offer us. Father, you know our hearts. You know where we stand. Father, this morning, we come into your presence in the name of Jesus. Father, we know and trust and believe that that he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. Father, we know that the path to our citizenship in heaven is through Jesus, your son. Father, this this month we will celebrate, we'll gather together, we'll talk about, we'll hang out, we'll do things, we'll sing songs. Father, all for your glory, all for your son Jesus Christ celebrating the coming Savior. Father, as we do this, remind us of the hope. Remind us of the joy. Remind us of the peace. And most importantly, Father, remind us of the love that you've offered us through Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anyone in here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, Father, my prayer is that that they they would come to know him that they would take the step to know Jesus Christ, his Lord and his Savior, that they would believe in their hearts and confess in their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we we love you and we thank you for loving us. We know that, that you've done everything. Your love is relentless and it pursues us constantly. And each and every morning and each and every day, your mercies are new. Every moment that we have in this life, is a gift from you. And so, Father, may we use that gift to honor you, to glorify you, to draw near to you, and also to help others know who you are, Father. Lord, again, we thank you for this season. We thank you for just all that you are in our lives, and we pray that you would use us and guide us. Help us to draw near, Father. We love you and praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Sol Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at solrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at solrio.com. At Soul Rio, 
We're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.